Welcome back to Recurrent Conversation or Recurrent Events, episode two, and I'm already forgetting the title. And back with me is Mr. West the Chance. Welcome back, Mr. West the Chance. Hey, it's good to be back. Long time no see. Long time no see. We had the pleasure of recording a night school right before this, and so it'll be interesting to make this pivot. And so something uh, about this week and these last couple weeks and uh, sort of what this project is, is I thought I might be able to comment a little bit on what's been happening on YouTube and sort of some of the uh, events I'm most interested in that sort of Jonathan Haidt and Jordan B. Peterson and Ben Shapiro sort of circle around and talk about and how those might figure into this. They're sort of, they're generally issues of education and how to educate in the most sort of psychologically uh, verified and scientifically um, uh, 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 informed way and, and how that might uh, tie in with what's happening in a broader, within a broader context as well. And I, I'm mostly thinking that because it's Saturday and it's uh, a, a day that I get to listen to podcasts. And I've been listening recently to uh, IDW figures, intellectual dark web figures, Ben Shapiro, who is a Republican, um, uh, Jordan Peterson, who calls himself classical liberal, which means essentially libertarian, and Dave Rubin, who is a former Democrat, a young Turk, and now sort of also classical liberal or libertarian. And uh, that, that said, Wes, um, I thought you, you should probably take the lead when it comes to which current events that we should actually talk about, because I think I've been in sort of a cave this week. So I, I might need you to enlighten me on this. Okay. No, that's, that sounds like a fun cave to be in. Anyhow, um, those guys are, I haven't listened to Ruben or Shapiro uh, hardly at all. I have listened to a lot of Peterson's material that's out there, and um, I find his whole phenomenon very interesting. Um, I don't know how much I jive with his politics per se, or the intellectual dark web um, and what its effect is on politics. That's a whole can of worms. We we could probably talk about that if if you're interested in doing that today. Um, the main the main thing I was interested in, and then maybe it kind of connects actually. Uh, is all these wild wildfires that have been uh, burning up up and down uh, California um, for the past I don't know whole year decade I don't know <laughs> you know long long time um, seems to be sort of impinging on people's consciousness that this is a major problem now and uh, people don't seem sure about what to do about it um, one big thing that came out just recently I, I know that there was a a report on climate that was released on um, Black Friday, actually, and was kind of part of the big news about it was that it was released on a day when people would tend not to maybe notice it as much. Um, and people were kind of speculating about what was going on with that. Um, obviously, I haven't read the document. I can't, I'm not a climate expert of any kind. And uh, I, I just, you know, both of us live on the West Coast and, and you live in California. So maybe could give us kind of a eyewitness report <laughs> and just like what what's the sentiment around there and well it, it's a fiery thing right so maybe that kind of connects with the the conversations and, and podcasts and stuff that you've been that you have been listening to lately um yeah so just have at it with that well the fires have been affecting people generally northern uh people north of san diego people north of the la area like 
um, broadly speaking, uh, around the Santa Barbara and just uh, four hours north of me area, as well as in Northern California. Though it, it's sort of sad, I haven't been following that news super closely just because it doesn't have a super direct effect on me, but there are plenty of people on Facebook, for example, who are like saying marking themselves safe. And my girlfriend's sort of physician friend, and her parents were evacuated at some point. So there is a there is a realness to it. And we have had wildfires that affected us down in San Diego County uh, before. And I remember just going about my daily business with every shop I would go into, there would be the news on and reports of where the fire currently was and often images of like old men like spraying their lawns with their hoses and and shooting it at the fire until the last moment. Oh my God. Um, trying to protect, you know, where they're from, which it, it reminded me quite a bit of Hurricane Katrina when people were making preparations for her. Um, I was at college at that time and uh, the year before there had been a category four storm that missed us so the general sentiment was that Katrina would not hit us and there was just uh there's sort of still that attitude of we're going to stick it out as long as possible as with those fires like maybe the unthinkable will not happen um but that that's essentially the extent that I've thought it through on but um yeah <laughs> It is funny because we, I know we try to take responsible for whatever issues that we see and use our minds to apply ourselves to them, whether they be intellectual issues, abstract or practical issues. But it really does seem like somebody ought to do something about that or that, that we ought to do some thinking about how to make these fires less destructive. And yeah, I, I just don't know, uh, just in the broadest possible uh, sweeps, like, would, would less forest be more helpful when it comes to this? Like, is there, is there an amount of forest like that, that like an amount of, I don't know, hair on a body that becomes non-optimal, right? Uh, something I think I heard on HBO once is that tusked creatures, part of their function is to uproot small trees so that o overforestation doesn't happen. But I don't know to what extent that's actually our particular problem. Maybe we could get somebody on the show, uh, a forestry or climate expert who could tell us a little bit about what the problem really is so we could think it through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, as you were saying that, I, I was thinking um, that it, it does seem like such a, a huge problem um not yeah I, I had made that connection to Katrina also like that was the last time there was such a a huge catastrophic uh, natural disaster but but one which again people um weighed in on in terms of like what is our responsibility here like, like it's a it's a Noah's flood kind of problem right the the way that um you can think about that is that in on the one hand it's it's happening right it's not something that you're, you can control uh it's much much bigger than that but on the other hand you can prepare right you can be ready when it does happen and you can uh survive it and and help others survive it and you can um, be better prepared to pick up the pieces after it's after those 40 days and nights right and and kind of uh rebuild um and all that so th there's a there's a interesting parallel there uh the other thing that 
struck me as you were describing, maybe it was the image of the old people trying to water their lawns and stuff, right? And like keep the fires at bay. Um, gosh, it's, it's like we often kind of wonder what our controlling narrative is in these days um, now that, you know, the sense of a kind of high culture has kind of faded. It's been eroded in various ways. Um, and, and so it's, it's probably not so much a, um, a single um, epic sort of story anymore, so much as it is um, the underlying um, mythic foundations of those stories, right? Uh, this, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on, on our other podcasts, and, the, and definitely the kind of stuff that Peterson is very articulate about on, on his shows and things. Um, but, but as we were talking, like, I was thinking maybe what we have instead of a grand encompassing narrative now is basically the news, right? It's like, that's the thing that everybody watches. And that's the thing that everybody is talking about, like, um, on Facebook, on, on cable TV, on the radio, like everywhere. Um, so that's, so in a sense, that's like performing the function um, of that, of that old, you know, religious, spiritual tradition, right? Or, or whatever kind of narrative it might be. Um, in a sense, that's kind of what we've got instead. And and it's an interesting problem then how to um, how to frame that narrative and how to talk about it. Um, I'm well, starting to see that this this project is very intimately related with with our other with our other podcasting projects and and, and inquiries. Well, I, I agree. And um, interestingly enough, it was Shapiro, not Peterson, that made this point. That uh, he said that what makes Twitter so ugly is that it's a gathering ground without purpose. So something we know from psychology is that <clears throat> if you are extroverted, you will seek attention. And if you can't get positive attention, so you don't develop the skills or behaviors necessary, you'll seek negative detention, attention. You'll settle for that. So if you're on Twitter and there's nothing to do, you're sort of like a student in a classroom with nothing to do. You're eventually going to do something just for something to happen. And um, it seems like when the news takes sort of an amoral um, perspective or, or even a, an explicitly political perspective, it uh, does serve as a cohesive for all of us, but without a sort of spirited direction or a spirit, a motion forward towards a specific goal, right? A sense of uh, it doesn't have the inspiring element. It has more of a mob sort of element. It, it, it seems it seems like what it what it is missing that a grand narrative has is um, a grand narrative gives structure and purpose to the existence of a people because it it draws them together into something which is larger than they are, which they are willing to work for, like building some pyramids to be eternal, or you know founding the the city and the people that will eventually become Romans who will last for a thousand years. People want to be a part of something great, but if they don't have that as an option, if they have gotten rid of that, if God is dead, as Nietzsche wrote, and Peterson often talks about, and we have the blood on our hands, then, and we can't get that positive attention in uh, meeting together in order to do something useful, right? Like uh, playing a basketball game or uh, or being a part of a chorus, something where we gather together and refine ourselves in order to generate a better product or experience, um, will 
then we, we just are sort of settling for the least common denominator, which is just, here's some stuff that happens. Possibly we're just going to illustrate some of the, the worst aspects of our being as well, rather than offering a more balanced narrative, um, depending on who it is we think we're serving. And that, that um, I don't know, I don't know. I, I, while you were talking, that did make me think about if you do not have a grand overarching narrative, what do you have instead? And is it a better substitute? And if it isn't, should you look for a grand overarching narrative? Yeah, right, right. I, see, here's a, here's a way to think about that. Maybe like um, back when Al Gore was uh, sort of doing his thing about climate change, he was, I think, you know, one of the, the big um, megaphone voices out there saying, here is the challenge for this era, right? Like here is our grand um, problem that we need to solve together. And uh, climate change, you know, remains a, ma a major problem. But maybe part of the thing was that Al Gore just proved to be not a great poet, right? Like he wasn't able to um, tell that story in a compelling way uh, to enough, enough people that it sort of caught on. And so it remained a bit of a niche thing uh, and, and remains so. You know, there's, there's climate change activists who are super engaged and um, articulate about the problems and, and this and that. But, uh, but it hasn't evolved to the, to the standard of like, you know, fighting communism back in uh, a previous generation or, um, or the, the counterculture against the war, you know, the, the civil rights movement, all of these kinds of things. Um, sort of gained that mass level uh, um, to, to where they, they did sort of drive society as a whole in, in a positive direction. Um, whereas now it's, it's, it seems to be, yeah, that there's, there's a variety of competing interests. And on Twitter and on other public forums and things, you, you see a lot of, um, a lot of heat and, and not a lot of light gen generated by them. And, uh, and, you know, at least it's not the kind of physical violence uh, so much, so much, right? There is still, well, you know, police violence is a big one um, and, and sorts of, you know, school shootings as we, we discussed a long time ago uh, on, on a previous kind of iteration of, of these discussions. Um, th those are certainly out there. All, all sorts of, of real violence are out there, but they, in many ways, they, they've been perhaps mitigated or superseded by this other kind of, um, you know, heated discussion and uh, the, the amount of attention that's given to that uh, is, is a very new thing. And I, I guess we haven't quite figured out yet how to best um, apply its, its power to, to solving problems, right, rather than sort of um, making much of them. Well, it's amazing, too, because uh, something that was talked about, which is part of the problem with, say, Twitter, is that you're sort of all Zorro. You're all masked, like V for Vendetta. And so that does make you more de-individuated and more willing to do evil things, as we know from the Stanford uh, sort of Stanley Milgram experiments, and um, uh, which we could not, which supposedly could not be done with ethics boards today. Um, but... Um, but that what if all these people who are currently like trolls hiding under bridges could in some way uh, get credit for what they do all the time they spend on the computer? Maybe there could be a forum where 
you know, and we do know that this sort of works, right, with things like World of Warcraft, like that is a game structure and with a narrative underlying it, which gives a goal structure uh, and, and thus sort of a, creates a hierarchy of behaviors for people that they then engage in and will pay for with time and effort and money for their own personal enjoyment, right? What if we could do something like that, that but that just produce data on what a human, a human is. Um, and, and in fact, I think actually we are sort of doing that. We should, we should just be like sifting through that data um, from sort of things like the, the massive multiplayer online RPGs and the sort of choices that people make, whether they're good players, bad players, and that, that, that will tell us quite a bit about ourselves and that all this time we've been spending on the internet has not been wasted, but has been producing, I think, the most complete picture of what a human is uh, that has ever existed. Uh, like a real mirror. That, that's a real, that would be a really interesting uh, take on um, the, the big data uh, sort of, uh, that, that problem that people have of, of privacy, of um, identity, uh, which has been greatly exacerbated um, by our, uh, you know, profound inability to stop using these sites, right? So it's like, no matter what, you're putting all this stuff about yourself out there. Yeah, so maybe finding a way to interpret it and, and apply it. Um, would, yeah, I think another part of that might be to, uh, to give people a sense of the potential uh, that's out there um, besides getting clicks, right? Besides like that kind of drive for, for quantity of attention, um, as you're saying, which is, it, which leads to a kind of um, anime or, or right, uh, a lack of identity um, and anonymity rather. Instead of that, finding ways to sort of build a more recognizable community among people who are, you know, maybe separated in space, but, but really quite, you know, aligned in terms of their interests. And so this is like, I think a kind of a, a, a lacuna, a hole in, in the online education right now. It's, it's very much about um, getting numbers, getting numbers of people to watch your, your video or your lesson or whatever, right? But there isn't a whole lot of space there for, for discussion among people and, and for like give and take and, and questioning and stuff like that. I think that's an area too. So to kind of go with the idea about researching data that's generated online, um, maybe creating more spaces for, for discussion and, um, you know, have, have some form of, uh, not, not necessarily guidance, but, you know, at least a model for what that would look like, perhaps. Um, and so, like, one area that is really interesting to me about Peterson's project, he, he's talking about doing this university um, online to help people, you know, become more versed in a whole range of topics, and, and as you said, like, to make education more responsive to scientific understanding of like human motivation and stuff like that. All, all that sounds great. I just, 
I'd like to know what his plan is for um, like interaction among students, like besides just accessing the content uh, and, and sort of, you know, taking quizzes and whatever, you know, writing papers, like, are there going to be discussion sections? Are they going to have opportunities to get to know one another? Um, because I think if not, yeah, you're going to see a lot of these same kinds of problems cropping up where people are seeking attention, which is natural and, and probably good, but not able to really represent themselves in a, a very good light as they do so. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. It just, I, I suppose, yeah, it's just so many levels down the line that it's hard to consider exactly what that problem will look like when it takes shape, right? Because there, there is also sort of um, that, that massive multiplayer online RPG element where people do convene together or on Reddit or on YouTube where people people will do it right. So it's hard, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, I think that taking, taking into account the fact that humans are social and that there should be a social component to an online university and that, that, that will be, that will take some sophisticated, a sophisticated solution to figure out because replacing just running into people is part of the theory for why there's actually political um, polarization right now, right? Uh, Jonathan Haidt and Lukianoff argue that Newt Gingrich uh, around 1994 um, changed the culture of Washington by making all the meetings the middle of the week and instead of having uh, House of the, Represent the House of Representatives um, members move their families to the DC area where they could mingle with each other and go to have their children go to school together and stuff, he had them leave their families at home and just flew them in so that they could be more of a, like not militant, but a goal directed and just like a focused team uh, mentality. And that, that, that sort of lack of proximity between people who were Republicans and Democrats who would just, who would have their kids again in the same schools and live in the same space has made it easier to take a more combative stance against each other. Um, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I haven't read that book yet. You're referring to, um, Coddling of the American Mind. Right. It's, I still have that on hold at the library and it hasn't come through yet. I, I think a lot of people are busily reading or, you know, trying to read that book. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested. I did listen to a podcast, uh, the other day where he's, uh, talking to, um, Ezra Klein of Vox, uh, Vox News uh, about that, that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of really smart people, I feel like, out there looking at just these problems. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't know, maybe not optimistic, but open to the idea that there are some, some solutions or at least some ways to mitigate and redirect a lot of this attention and, and effort um, in more productive channels. I, yes. I do think that's what we want to do. Like, yeah. I, I agree with you completely. I mean, that's not only a possibility. Like, I think that's a reality. All we have to do is define it, define the space better and better, what the goal is. And I think it's probably going to come down to people who are willing to articulate what their goals actually are. And then people can, in sort of a democratic way, choose whether they want to be a part of that or not. 
Yeah, I, I'm excited then to uh, to keep kind of building on these um, these online courses and um, making some kind of space for people to to do the the deeper discussion and uh, to get to know people who have you know similar interests but perhaps different beliefs and and maybe different presuppositions that are driving their interest in some of these big problems. Um, that that's a direction that I am really interested in going. And I, I agree that we should start having, I, I think we said this last time too, whenever we last talked on this platform, um, to have some, some people uh, join us for these conversations would be really cool. Um, that was the I, thought that just popped into my mind that that, yeah. that really does strike me as the next thing to be doing. Yeah. Inviting people on and getting their perspective and asking them questions. And um, yeah, and uh, that's something I'm interested in doing soon too, having a meeting and maybe we can record that and maybe even publish it depending on what comes from it or what doesn't come from it too, I think could be valuable about uh, how we wish to continue to contribute to this project and what it is we think we're contributing. Because I, I would say what we're contributing is a real liberal uh, sort of late high school college education right now uh, through the various courses that we're laying out there in a professorial way. Um, and that, well, you know, I, I, as I've often said to you in other segments, I'd like to do this for the next 50 years or so, maybe longer, depending on how long we live. We live pretty healthily on this West Coast, uh, which we're so lucky to live on. Well, you know, in the West anyway, uh, I'm technically on the coast. <laughs> but, um, nope. As long as the forest fires are keep at bay, well, yeah, that'll be fine. Right, right, right. And the earthquakes that haven't been around as much, but are a constant threat. And the great whites um, that are out in the ocean. But, you know, there are plenty of things. And, you know, we have a lot of highways. They're dangerous, too. But, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to continue to define the space in a more concrete way. We're getting closer to the middle of the mandala, I would say. And... Um, and I, I think providing something valuable for people and as we expose more people to our work and bring them in to do their own work alongside us, I think we, I don't know, I, I sort of visualize a giant Hephaestian workshop where people are just doing what they've mastered and it's sort of the ultimate American ideal, but also the ultimate university ideal, right? Like look at all these masters doing what they, they do, who you can learn from if you want to. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a crucial component of it. I think is um, that it's voluntary. Uh, and, and what, I guess that's maybe one of the bigger uh, aspects of this is, is what that will do then to, um, to impact the way that, that public schools operate, right. Which are, which are not voluntary. They're, they're, they're just like a part of life. Um, and and so far as they are, people sort of take that for granted. Uh, I think changing the attitude towards education is a big part of my, my sort of larger design here. Um, and it's something that I, I've definitely been uh, working on in some, in some concrete ways with like, you know, podcasts uh, and writing and, and all that good stuff. But um, would would love to do. I think that ultimately it will involve 
some kind of more political uh, organization, uh, whether that be getting involved with like local school board stuff or um, advocacy or unionizing or like whatever form that would take. Um, that's, that's another area that I'm kind of interested in, in going with this since this is sort of our, our political space here. Um, but that's something that I'm, I'm just very uh, unversed in. And so, so one of the first people that I think I'd want to have on here to talk is, uh, is Joe. Joe Worthy, I was just visiting him over Thanksgiving, um, and he's he knows a lot more, and he's a lot more connected with people who know more stuff uh, with with uh, organizing and politics and and how how that works. Um, I I'd also I think we should also have uh, your uh, frequent contributor um, Matt Roos on to talk about some of the the neuroscience, the data. Um, that sort of thing, or or people that he knows, you know, um, that he thinks would be interested uh, in going down some of those rabbit holes with us. Um, so that that's just to throw out like a couple um, possible avenues to go from here uh, for next time. Interesting, and just uh, being more of the the armchair uh, person that I am, just thinking about what the most effective. Uh, mode of political expression would be knowing now some of the things we do about uh, human perceptual systems that um, that which you know how peaceful say say organizing but insistent with a specific messaging could catch the eyes of people in a way that like say the messaging of Occupy Wall Street and such couldn't because it didn't it didn't have a specific concrete goal to um, to pursue. Uh, that it did, and it also failed to have a grand narrative right um, behind it. And so, if there were going to be sort of a change, it would be interesting to see what actions best manifested or embodied a grand narrative, and whether the the better the narrative is that the people are telling themselves and are, are, that gives them the goal that they're pursuing, the sort of better the outcome or the better the, the or the more transformative the change that they make. I, I'd be very interested to understand more about that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. The, the impact of um, one's story about what one is doing um, does seem incredibly significant. Uh, and yeah, perhaps tied to success and failure, but also, I don't know, maybe in that respect, I think that failures might be more important than successes, actually, because that that makes you that gives you the sense that you're still engaged in a process, right? Whereas if you That's succeed right. with your goal, then then you sort of at a loss because you you've accomplished it, right? So then what? Um, you just sort of settle in and enjoy. I, I think that's you know quite quite dangerous and doesn't make for a very interesting story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting because you you relate sort of the story of the Old Testament there, right? Of complacency followed by something terrible happening, like enslavement, and um, but also sort of uh, that that's something I recently watched uh, this ESPN Plus documentary, Earn Everything, that follows Coach uh, Mike Shashevsky around and his his new team, which is so exciting to watch. But um, he he constantly talks about. Um, 
Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm losing the point. Having thought about that exciting team and the fact that they're actually coming on in a few minutes, I'm forgetting the uh, success the, and failure. Is it, oh, is it, it says fail, failure is not an endpoint. Failure is part of the process. And he okay. says, you know, you just got to move on to the next situation and, you know, it's part of a pattern. And so as a musician, you make a mistake, you got to keep moving on. And what you'll be judged by is, did you get back up, you know, sort of like Guitar Hero, did you get 99% of the, the uh, notes right afterwards or did you just fall apart? That's what someone terrible does. And that, I mean, that's also very much a part of the epic tradition with uh, the Odyssey and the Aeneid. It, there's, I, Odysseus is constantly failing to get home. Uh, you know, his men betray him. His men foolishly uh, get themselves killed and uh, over and over again, he gets closer and then farther from Ithaca. Uh, you know, his own men opening the bag of winds when they are within sight of Ithaca. And so he has to, you know, constantly pick himself up and dust himself off. And well, how Dante connected that is what sort of good life seems to be for him, as opposed to just like letting things fall apart and then having to rebuild. And maybe this is the choice we have to make now as a people and as a generation is the more you transform your ideal, the better transformative effect it has on you, the more you can continue to transform your ideal. And the better, that means the better you become at making the future a better representation of your version of heaven. And I think if you've ever looked forward to a really awesome movie, and then you think of like sort of the socioeconomics of being able to produce a film and how much money we put into it, and how awe-inspiring watching a film is, uh, you know, it's the ultimate religious experience, right? Um, that it's, uh, that does seem to be what we have been doing as a people, as in the West. And I would very much like to be a part of making all of that even better. Oh, well, I, as you were talking, I was thinking that maybe sports are also a really good example. I, I yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. We we've got to we've got to do some episodes then on 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 sports on music on film and TV perhaps um, I think all these things will will fit in really nicely here uh, we can find a way to weave it all together as we go along. Right yeah, on. well, I'm really I'm really excited about this and I'm glad that we're tackling this territory and continuing to expand. Um, uh, I'm really eager to uh, continue to test our minds against these whetstones. Um, and continue to sharpen them and see, you know, just what we can see about what is happening around us. And hopefully, hopefully those people that listen to us, and uh, we do have a pretty strong basis now. We uh, had another 33% gain in listeners over the last month, up from 1,000 listens to 1,590, which is huge. Um, well, we're, we're going to continue to produce as uh, good a product as we can. We're going to do our best. Um, and until until we find that we're diluting the water but i don't know there's been a good uh i think um a combination of conscientiousness and creativity wes yeah yeah i'm looking forward to where it goes from here yeah well let's keep let's keep at the hephaestian forge then until <laughs> next time hopefully some stuff happens between now and then <laughs> all right well thanks again Thank you.